You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday. Got some things to talk about today on a slow-ish NBA news day. First has to do with the Golden State Warriors' Draymond Green kind of beefing again with Kevin Durant. There's some interesting parallels to the Pelicans of two years ago here that I want to take a quick look at, which should actually make you feel pretty good about a lot of the guys here on the roster. Then we are going to take a kind of high-level touch upon some of the economic situations and stuff going on with the Pelicans and Saints and Gail Benson. Um, Part of it's speculation. But also, it's worth mentioning, I think, and we'll kind of dive into that uh, briefly as well. And then finally, in today's show, we'll wrap up talking about Trajan Langdon, who was on Pelicans, the Pelicans podcast, and we'll touch on what he said as well as it gives us a little bit of insight into what the team might be doing in the future. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So let's start with the Warriors and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, a guy who likes to, I I can't tell if he likes to have his like name in the news or if he is just kind of, you know, dramatic and likes kind of just stirring up drama and all of this stuff. Maybe it's a mix of both. Maybe it's none of them. Who knows? But he comes off that way in his latest comments regarding Kevin Durant. So, you know, not this season, last season when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors and it was uncertain what he was going to do. Would he be resigning? Would he be leaving? And he ultimately left for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, it, it caused some dysfunction for him. It did. It was very obvious. You know, they seemed a little concerned that he wasn't, you know, publicly committing to play back there. There was uncertainty around what he would do, which led to some of the players getting asked a whole lot of questions about this throughout the entirety of the year. And Draymond Green seemed upset that Kevin Durant didn't tell them ahead of time what was going on, like early on what was going on. And then he called it the elephant in the room that seemed to not derail their season. You know, they made made the NBA Finals, after all, but kind of threw them off and didn't make them as good as they could be and just largely seems annoyed by this whole thing. And it's weird because he seems to make it out that, you know, he was owed something from Kevin Durant, which I don't think he really was. I'm personally a big believer in, like, people don't really owe others anything. Do your job, get paid for it, and leave it at that. You don't, you know, need a thank you when they're giving you money to go and do something, and you do it. So this is weird, and it just strikes me as Draymond Green being almost very unprofessional when it comes to this sort of thing, because he's not owed an explanation. Durant might not have known what he was doing, and you're a professional basketball player. Go and just do your job and kind of filter out the distractions. Maybe it's tough, but that's okay. Sometimes jobs are hard, you know, and I I just, I don't know. It comes off entitled, whiny, petty during this whole thing and flashback to the Pelicans of the same year going through that Anthony Davis trade request which we feel kind of derailed their season a little bit but when you talk to the players it didn't no one cared not one player in that locker room cared that Anthony Davis basically said you guys are crap I want to go play with better teammates that can help me get into the playoffs and win more it's a big fuck you and none of them cared 
it didn't stop any of them from going out and playing hard. Now, they weren't a good team, especially when AD wasn't playing, but that's okay. At least they weren't publicly complaining. They didn't seem upset by it. They just went out and played. They were professional. Drew Holiday, especially with all of that, someone he's close to, he was the second best player on the team, essentially being told, like, yeah, I can't win enough with you. Like, I can see how that might upset you, and it didn't upset any of these guys. And it kind of shows you the contrast between some of the uh, personalities on the Pelicans and the Golden State Warriors. Now, the Golden State Warriors were in a much more stressful situation of trying to win titles and in the midst of a dynasty and a run. So certainly I can understand that, yeah, you know, maybe the the pressure cooker of a situation is a little bit different and you treat it as such. But, you know, sometimes the business and these players seem to understand that it's a business and accept that it's a business and they're okay with people making business decisions or decisions that are in the best interest of them, you know, the selfishly. And so to see Draymond Green complain about this one with what we went through here in New Orleans, these dudes are saints by comparison to that sort of thing. It's a bit annoying to see. And it also just, I don't know, gives you a deeper appreciation for some of the guys on the roster, particularly Drew, Drew Holiday, who's just been the most, you know, a good soldier, the most amazing dude we've had probably personality wise, other than maybe Chris Paul, but they're probably on par uh, with each other. So it's it's good to see that, you know, our guys here in New Orleans definitely have like good heads on their shoulders, handle this sort of stuff well, whereas you see other players really, really don't. And I don't know. It's it's weird because the season wasn't derailed because of the Anthony Davis trade request. It was derailed because the team was bad and injured. And could you never get healthy and put it together? Didn't help things. But, you know, by the time he requested trade, they weren't really in playoff contention and weren't going to make it in. So it's interesting to see how the Pelicans players did very well handling this. And the Golden State Warriors, or at least Draymond Green, did not. So with the NBA draft coming up this week, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Saints. Ross Jackson's covering everything you want to know about this, and I haven't been as big of a football fan over recent years, so I've been relying on Ross um, tons of times for this. And look, I'm not going to go... I I watch a lot of college football, I'll say that, but I'm not as up on some of the prospects, some of the guys from smaller schools, guys who didn't play for LSU, Bama, or USC, or Tulane. And sometimes it's helpful just to get a refresher on that because guess what? I'm going to watch like 10 hours of the NFL draft because what else is there to do right now? And Ross Jackson's a good way to kind of stay up on what the Saints are going to be doing, what they should be doing, what you want to see them do. So make sure you subscribe to Ross Jackson and Locked On Saints wherever you get your podcast from. So let's touch on some of the economic stuff here, which is is worth cursorily talking about. And it's kind of speculation on my part. It's part-time just trying to fill some time on the show. Um, But I think it's worth looking at with the economic downturn that's going on, and it is. uh, A lot of these owners in various sports are going to be taking hits, and you're already seeing some of them try and cut costs. Now, the Pelicans have been very good about this sort of thing. But when you look at Gail Benson, who owns the team, she also owns the Saints and could be in a position to be impacted maybe more so than a number of other owners around the NBA and around the NFL. She's worth a lot of money, over a billion dollars. But the wealth is tied up to the, is primarily, I would say, tied to the value of both franchises. I have no doubt she has a lot of liquid cash. You know, as I've said, I'm not really worried about her selling the team to pay for anything because, frankly, if she's 300 million in cash, she's good. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. 
but if you have a, a big cash reserve, shit, 50 million, uh, you'll be okay. I would assume that is enough to weather a lot of the storm of your personal wealth. Um, and it means you wouldn't necessarily need to sell assets or other things like that. But when you're, uh, say you don't, or say you're worried about certain things, when your value is tied into two uh, sports franchises that might not be playing in front of fans that are going to need an influx of like interesting TV dollar deals to make up for what is potentially lost, and key word there is potentially, it makes me think about it. I'm not worried as I haven't been worried about her selling the Pelicans and then moving to Seattle at all. Because, you know, I, if you compare her to a lot of the other owners, maybe it is a little bit more mom and pop type of run or type of feel than it is to, say, the big hedge fund guys or the tech guys out in the West and East Coast of things. But overall, it's not like she's hurting for money. But, you know, the Dixie Beer Brewery is closed, but they're still building, you know, producing beer. They own a bunch of racehorses, which I don't know if those are racing or not right now. Uh, and they're working on a winery as well. So who knows how all of her businesses are impacted more so than maybe some other owners throughout the different sports leagues. So what could that mean? The answer, you know, again, like most things right now is I don't know. But it, it's worth keeping an eye on. I wonder if that's where things, they do have to make some cuts just to kind of trim uh, things around the margins a little bit. But when you compare her to, say, other owners, yeah, you know, if you were to be like, I'm worried about, if you had to pick one you're worried about, maybe Gail Benson kind of pops up to the top of the list compared to some other ones. Again, doesn't mean we should be worried, but that's kind of the way I see this a little bit when you own two sports franchises, and that is what makes up the majority of your wealth. Yeah, if franchise values go down, you drop in value there, that can impact things. Uh, and if you don't get to play a season or, you know, a season behind closed doors and you can't, uh, you know, no good solutions figured out, that has impacts as well. So we'll see where this goes, if it goes anywhere at all. And it may not, but I thought that it was worth bringing up on the show today. So we'll touch on what Trajan Langdon said the other day on the Pelicans podcast. Before we do that, though, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday, Wednesday, Friday for you all trying to bring a sense of normalcy. Touch on the biggest topics that you want to hear around the team. We're going to keep it going. Uh, we'll be getting some more guests in the future, too. And on Friday, we'll be doing my top five moments, official Jake's top five moments of the season. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So Trajan Langdon went on the Pelicans podcast with Daniel Salerson, and they've been pulling out all the stops there. I see you're gunning for my podcast throne and uh, gave some pretty good insight on kind of what they're they're going to be looking at. And I think you can kind of read between the lines, read the tea leaves of when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agency, the type of guys that they are going to be looking for. And it really does start with the current core, probably of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. They're very high on all of those guys. Um, also mentioning Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Didi Silva. And I've told you, keep an eye on Didi Silva's name. He should be on the team next year in the rotation. They are absurdly, absurdly high on that guy. Uh, and think he could be one of the best defenders on the team already. So hearing him get mentioned when he didn't play for the team last year, I think is a very interesting thing. And can, again, telling about... Uh, who they're going to be, you know, what the rotation really might be. So he talks about how they're working with the scouting department, the scouting staff right now, watching a lot of film, reading a lot of scouting reports, and that they want to add to kind of the core group of guys. But they're not going to do it 
in a way that just doesn't work. And he says he's not going to do it where uh, these guys that they could add to the team are going to be at odds with the current group. You want ones that fit. So fit, culture, personality, all of that seems like it's going to kind of be at the top of their minds when it comes to filling out the roster, when it comes to free agency, when it comes to the draft. I don't know if they're necessarily looking. And of course, obviously, things change. And if you get the opportunity to get a big name star, you do it. But I don't know if they're necessarily looking for kind of a, a the next big thing on this roster. And maybe they really like what they have. And it's about building the roster out around these guys. So a role like a high-level role player, multiple high-level role players could be who they're looking for. Excellent wing defenders, perimeter defenders, very good three-point shooters to space the court. And that sort of thing are probably what they're looking for, but more of a role-playing type of guy than, you know, a go-to guy, a big guy, a guy, you know, a guy that would uh, you, you kind of put in the pecking order next to like Drew Holiday or something like that. Maybe more Josh Hart's, but better than that could be kind of what they're looking for. That often can mean guys that are seniors, you know, or upperclassmen in the draft particularly with some of those Lakers picks that could be at the end of the first round. And that's where you can find a lot of value with some of those guys. So I think that might be who they're looking for. And those are the type of things that uh, are really going to be at the top priority. When you start to look at the draft and you look at guys, you're like, oh, I love this dude. Keep this criteria in mind because that seems like it's going to be more important uh, than some of the other things that they could have there. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network, giving you everything you need to know about the upcoming NBA draft, scouting prospects. I don't watch a lot of college. This has been a lifesaver for me. So make sure you tune into that wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all on Friday. 